Echo's Box Podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's Box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people. Out of respect for all, please do not listen if this content isn't right for you, and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Echo's Box. This is episode 8, Anxiety. Yes, we're finally going to talk about it. But before we get started, that song you were just listening to was called Search and Destroy. It is by the band I'm in, Opt Out. It's another uh, one of the hardcore tracks, so if you like that kind of music, give us a give us a shout on you know social media. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Anywhere you find music, it's there. So that's Search and Destroy by Opt Out. If you like that kind of music, please go check it out and support those projects. Um, but yeah, uh, let's, let's dive into anxiety. So I've alluded to the topic of anxiety and even expounded upon it a fair bit as it relates to me throughout many of the episodes in the series, uh, in depression, uh, that episode specifically was, it was very hard not to focus at least a little bit on anxiety because it is a symptom of my depression. So I don't particularly suffer with any kind of advanced anxiety disorder. I don't have general anxiety disorder and I don't have any more of the complex ones. However, I do experience symptoms that people with those disorders uh, would also experience. Very severe panic attacks, a lot of stress, uh, and and very just severe emotional anxiety as well. Um, I'm pleased to say it's gotten significantly better with time, but it's not gone. And um, I really... I'm I'm really excited to talk about the things that helped me get through it, but I also realize it's not going to apply to everyone. Some of it just comes with personal growth and everybody's personal growth looks different. Um, but I'll share kind of my perspective. That's the whole, that's all about all I can really do here. And that's the whole point of this, this podcast is just sharing our experiences and seeing if it, if it helps anybody or at least connects us in a certain way. So uh, we're going to go through a couple things. Obviously we're going to start with uh where I was at with anxiety when I was first, uh, not really when I was first dealing with it, but when I was heavily dealing with it the most and, and some precursory history. But we're also just going to talk about anxiety as a topic, uh, you know, what it is, how it impacts people, uh, and then also talk about kind of the uh, journey I went through to get to where I am presently. So let's let's dive right into that. So what what is anxiety as an emotion and what's its purpose? Like, I went for the longest time thinking about anxiety as some negative emotion and, and like all negative emotions, whether it's anger or uh, sadness or maybe severe depression, or maybe it's, uh, you know, feeling uh, drowsy or hazy or whatever it is, something that would make you feel physically out of whack. Uh, it makes you feel off balance. Not good. It's all those un, unhappy feelings. Anxiety, I always grouped in with one of them. But the reality is there's no such thing as a bad feeling. Uh, we assign these tags of negativity and positivity to uh, these feelings, but uh, they're only bad once we don't have control over them, once we are not using them for their purpose. So you might be thinking then, okay, 
then what the heck is anxiety's purpose? Because it just makes me feel like shit all the time. And I can resonate with that 100%. Um, and I didn't learn this until the past couple months, even as my anxiety was getting a little bit better. Uh, I still wasn't aware of this fact and, and being made aware of this fact actually kind of opened up my ability to think about it a little bit more. So the purpose of anxiety as an emotion is to let us know that something's not right. It's meant to be an indicator to say, hey, this thing is going to be difficult or you should be worried about this or you should think about this because it's complex. So like say you have anxiety about um a new job opportunity and you've got an interview, things are going well, healthy anxiety would look like, okay, well, I really want this and I need to make sure I do good. So I'm going to use the fact that I'm anxious about it to direct myself to make positive steps uh, so that I will, so that I'll be successful at it and ultimately have no need to be anxious. That is a positive form of it. Uh, that rarely happens from anybody I talk to with anxiety. Um, usually what it manifests itself as is more like, oh crap, I'm anxious about this thing. Let me spiral. And either you overwork yourself trying to banish the anxiety or worse, you drive yourself into a spiral where you get nothing done. Uh, and it's anything in between as far as that goes, any kind of negative response you can make from there. And that's uh, what letting your anxiety control you looks like rather than a healthy relationship with anxiety as an emotion. You can contrast this with something like anger where it's actually healthy to be angry when you were wronged. It's healthy to see that emotion, recognize that you're angry uh, even vocalize it to some extent and acknowledge it and validate that for yourself. That's a healthy way to deal with anger is be like, crap, I'm angry. I'm angry about this. Figure out why you're angry. If it's justified, be angry for a minute. What's not healthy is if you were to lash out on somebody, if you were to not sit and think about why you were angry and then t make a decision based on that. If you sit in with your anger and feel it first, then think about what to do next you are executing a healthy observance and validation of your anger. Anxiety is the same way. You'll feel the anxiety. No, it doesn't feel good, but it's valid. You have to validate it, accept it, and then make a healthy decision about it from there because it's an emotion that's part of you that needs attention like all the other emotions. If you neglect anxiety, if you neglect anger uh, in favor of always just observing love and peace and harmony, you'll suppress anger and anxiety. These are natural emotions that everybody feels. Um, it's okay not to feel them. Like if you just naturally aren't feeling them, that's okay. Uh, but when they come about, don't ignore them. And, and anxiety is going to come about and manifest its ways in places that you should be anxious. The other problem is though that anxiety also comes up for people who struggle with it in places where it doesn't make any sense to be anxious. You could be anxious about getting up in the morning and going to work. Something that you have to do every single day that you're successful at every single day. There's no reason to be anxious about it. It's not your first day. It's uh, There's very unlikely that every single day you have something going on unless your brain is telling you you do. Uh, you basically more or less create something for yourself to worry about. And if you were to spiral down to the core and ask, why am I freaking out about this? There is no logical explanation. And you just kind of, you may be able to recognize that but if you're somebody that's struggling with the anxiety it's not as simple as oh well don't be anxious about it anymore it's like well crap i recognize this isn't logical to be anxious about but i'm still anxious about it. i'm still freaking out i'm still feeling the emotion even though it may not be justified and that's frustrating and that's ultimately what uh anxiety is kind of as a mental illness so for me um the idea of clinical anxiety doesn't really apply i'm not always anxious in fact most of the time i'm extremely calm um, and I would even say that within my, my anxiety that 
my anxiety is calm. I'm probably somebody who has had the calmest panic attack you have ever seen in your life. Uh, even when they're really bad, I still kind of keep a level head. I don't like to lash out. I don't like to freak out on anybody because I used to do that. I even didn't always uh, act that way. But over time with all things regarding my mental health, though, I just made a decision to not let it burden other people. And that's obviously much easier said than done. Uh, and there is a lot of balance with boundaries there because you also don't want to prohibit yourself from talking about it with people and asking for help. But you also don't want to make it somebody else's problem, somebody's weight, like your own weight that somebody else can't carry. That's my fine line. And it's very difficult sometimes. But for the most part, I've been pretty successful at it. So I don't necessarily advertise that as a recommendation for how you should handle your mental health. But that's kind of what I'm doing for me. And so far, it's working out. Um, that said... Clinical anxiety is much more impactful. This is where you get your generalized anxiety disorders and your more complex anxiety disorders where these people are having constant mental breakdowns, constant panic attacks, constant spirals of out-of-control thoughts. Some some people are so paralyzed by their thoughts that they literally struggle to accomplish things day to day. It is just so overwhelming. And some people uh, are quite the opposite where they drain themselves so drastically they're doing too much that they don't actually get to live experience enjoy life they're living in a constant state of panic just getting from one thing to the next and, and the spectrum obviously varies from there now my anxiety stems from my depression and uh, what that means is that sometimes I will become so engulfed in something I'm depressed about whether it's just my general depression and feelings of loneliness or something that is tangible that I probably should be depressed about. Um, those kind of things feed off each other and eventually uh, will turn it into a panic attack. I can uh, illustrate one one common thing is uh, I will sometimes worry about what other people think of me because, like I said, with my loneliness, I don't want to feel alone. And so like if I get the idea that somebody doesn't like me, my depression will try to take that to the nth degree and be like, all right, uh, you don't think this person likes you because you uh, wore your shirt funny that day. Let's use something silly, right? And you're like, oh, they probably didn't like me. They probably thought I was a weirdo. Okay, so that can go one of two ways and be like, eh, I don't care. Or with depression, it can go, crap, you're not going to have any friends. You're going to start losing friends because they all like this person, but this person doesn't like you and you're not as cool as them. Or uh, just insert any other bully-esque thought that you would tell yourself and it applies there. And that would then feed on this idea like, oh, you're going to be alone or, oh, you're going to not have friends or, oh, people hate you. And then you start thinking about why or think about what you could do different or think about what you're going to do the next time. And these kind of thoughts keep attacking you and attacking you. And then for me, it spirals me into a panic attack where I start looping on, oh, I'm not good enough or, oh, I'm uh, too anxious, too depressed. I can't be cared for. Nobody, nobody loves me. Nobody is capable of loving me, et cetera, et cetera. It, it just spirals on down. And so I end up in a panic attack and it's not great. Now I've experienced panic attacks all my life, but I didn't really know what they were. Um, so throughout high school, I would often have these weird ass emo mental breakdowns, uh, often in front of people. And as I got older, I thought, Oh, well maybe I just did that for some kind of attention. Um, and turns out, no, that was legitimately having panic attacks. They just came out kind of weird because I was hyped up on fucking monster energy drinks all the time and didn't know how to express myself as a teenager. They were still just as valid, uh, mechanisms of anxiety. And, and the reason I was able to connect those dots is as I, uh, started grappling with those, uh, panic attacks, especially as they got worse, getting older, I was able to connect back the feeling to how I felt back then. I was like, Oh no, it's the same anxiety. Just now it's way worse. That sucks. 
um, wish I had, you know, attacked this sooner. So uh, later in life, as I began having panic attacks again, sometimes they would look like me lashing out from not talking about something. And then now when I started to deal with my mental health, they started to, to really spiral into what you would see as a modern um, severe panic attack, very severe often. Um, most of my panic attacks leave me on the floor, unable to move. I may not even be crying. I may be breathing normally. Like I said, I can be very calm, but I will be frozen. At, at the bare minimum, I'll be frozen. But I do often cry out and you know, have to scream and, and all that kind of stuff from time to time if it gets bad enough. Uh, the average panic attack for me, uh, outside of that, like if I'm in public, uh, I, I feel frozen, but I keep kind of moving and I become very, um, not just, it's almost like when I'm disassociated, I kind of space out, but with anxiety, I am not spacing out. I am, uh, trying to keep my grip. Basically. That's what it, that's what I'm actually doing. I'm trying to keep a grip. So when people talk to me, I don't like bust out crying or freak out. I just say, Hey. Yeah, uh, I need a minute. Like I try to stay in my head enough to give people social cues to kind of like give me whatever it is I need, whether it's space or or to, a distraction or to talk to me or a hug, whatever it is. I try to be level enough not to cause panic in, in other people, but just calmly say, hey, yeah, no, I'm kind of uh, processing something right now and I need uh, a couple of minutes. I'm going to walk over here and I take my space or I'd be like, hey, uh, I'm really thinking about something really hard right now. Can you talk about this topic for me? And so I can focus on that instead. Whatever it is I feel like will be beneficial, I try to stay in the headspace to keep me moving on from there. doesn't always work, but that's how I try to act uh, when I'm around others. When I'm at home alone, it's a little bit harder because it's much harder to distract yourself. Um, but it's it's just been terrible. It's been a terrible, awful ride, um, and I do not like them at all, and especially when different medications would increase or decrease how frequently or how severe I just I've gotten glimpses into how bad it can really be and I am not looking forward to those kind of things ever again um now I did have some saving grace so uh we've talked a little bit about panic attacks let's talk about um kind of what that looks like in a kind of step by step so they start with thought loops you spiral on those thought loops and then sometimes they'll include physical pain, like they'll include a headache or your stomach hurts or you want to vomit or you have to <laughs> bad anxious diarrhea or or whatever it is. It, they, they have a physical reflection on how they impact your life. Uh, as a result, there is medicine for anxiety, often in the form of benzodiapines or benzos. Um, and Xanax, which I've talked about before, is one of these benzos. Um, and it's one that I have a fair bit of experience with, and I find it to be a very powerful and helpful tool for managing anxiety. What's unfortunate is since I don't have generalized anxiety disorder, and this isn't my constant state of being, I don't always need benzos, which is actually a fortunate thing, but it's unfortunate that when I do need them or I'm transitioning, uh, between medications or whatever it is, uh, I have to make sure I'm communicating what's going on, really pay attention to the severity of my panic attacks and make sure I'm not wasting anybody's time or misusing medication of any sort. So it's very complex uh, when you don't have that direct line and agreement by all parties who are supposedly rooting for your, your mental health and well-being. So uh, it's been very confusing, but honestly, Xanax in the midst of a panic attack and any other benzos for that matter that are built for this kind of stuff are very effective. There's a reason they're prescribed. They're a great tool for managing your anxiety. So um I, when I was able to finally get those to help treat me a little bit, uh, I found myself able to uh, 
rely on that as a tool. So instead of having to take a mandatory hour for a panic attack, I could feel it happening and attack it back right away with the medication and calm down. And what happens when you take a benzo when you're actually having a panic attack is not the warm, loosey-goosey feeling uh, of, a, of a nice benzo hug. It's, oh crap, my brain was going a thousand miles an hour. Let's slow down my central nervous system and let me think. So it doesn't get rid of the anxious thought, but it slows down your brain enough so you can think about it without spiraling and freaking out. And so that I would feel that very heavily. I would take the medicine and I would be like, oh, okay. Okay, this thought's coming in a lot slower now. I can see what it is. I can at now begin to ask myself, why am I anxious about it? Do I need to be anxious about this? Do I need to really be thinking about this right now that hard? Or is there a solution already? Why am I freaking out? Let's pull back, basically. Let's pull back a little bit, take a 30,000-foot view at this, and, and see what's going on. And I found that to be extremely beneficial to managing my anxiety. But um, really, when it comes to comes down to it, I don't always have that as a tool. And sometimes, honestly, my panic attacks aren't bad enough to justify uh, needing to resort to medication. Um, it's just not, I'm fortunate in that regard. I'm not complaining about that at all. Um, ultimately, self-control and self-awareness has been key in understanding my relationship with my anxiety, being able to have better control over my thoughts through like my spiritual practices, meditation and, and, and ceremonial magic and all that kind of stuff has been, has it's given me the tools at a psychological and mental level and even a spiritual level to say, Hey, this is my emotion. Hey, this is my thought and, and being self-aware of how your emotion normally acts and what you actually want it to act like is, is so powerful. I've done uh, kind of to lean into the spiritual stuff a little bit more. Um, I've done shadow work specifically regarding many negative emotions. and I still have much more work to do, but the work I've done has been absolutely profound. And so when I did an exercise in shadow work for anxiety specifically, um, I sat down with my anxiety and I said, okay, I recognize your purpose. Your purpose is to let me know when there's something I should be anxious about, but we have a problem. The problem is that you're being anxious about things that you shouldn't be anxious about and you're not letting other emotions through. And that's not fair to you. It's not fair to the other emotions. I want every part of me to be valid. I want my anxiety to be a valid, powerful emotion that I respect and love about myself, not one that holds me under and chokes me out. And it's my emotion. So when I do that, I'm ultimately doing it to myself, even if it's it. And this is where mental health is confusing is ultimately it, you are doing the things the depression, anxiety, uh, bipolar disorder, whatever it is that you're struggling with. Yes, it is a struggle. It's an internal battle, but also it's you. It's you doing those things to you. Your brain chemistry's fucked. Is it really your fault? No, but you still have to take responsibility for your actions because it's still you doing them. And it's super, super difficult. I hope that's apparent and obvious. You can't just turn it off. So it's not like, oh yeah, I'm going to take responsibility for my actions now. I'm never going to do it again. No, it's no. Now I have to recognize this, and, and and to some extent, it's even harder. It's saying, well, shit, I'm beating myself up, and it's only my fault, and I only have myself to blame. Um, and then on top of that, you're you're like, okay, well, I want control of this, but you're the one keeping control from yourself. You're fighting yourself. It's very painful. It makes it harder. I would argue once you recognize what it is that you have to do and have to take responsibility for than it is to be oblivious. Because if you're oblivious to it, then you can simply keep moving um, and and not take any responsibility. You're like, oh, it's not my fault. I'm just depressed. This is how I act. Versus I don't like this about myself. I'm going to change it. But then fighting with yourself about that change. Um, working with others has been beneficial in this regard, uh, especially therapy. 
but also just being more open and talking to people and just being like, Hey, I'm having anxiety about this and I know it doesn't make sense. So I want, or maybe I know it does make sense, but I'm spiraling on it. Uh, so help me kind of walk through it a little bit and step it out. And you just, you have to have the self-control and awareness to take that, that step back and, and basically do what chemically a benzo would do for you. You use your focus to step back and walk through your problem. You can do it by yourself, but doing it in therapy really works. Doing it with a friend that's capable of listening really works. They don't even have to offer advice. You can just walk through it. Uh, it's something in computer science they call like rubber ducking, where you can just, uh, you know, bounce your ideas off a rubber duck. Say you have a logic problem and you, you walk through the logic and, and just by vocalizing it, you may find an error that you made in your own thinking patterns. So even if they're just acting like that for you, uh, or even if you've actually just rubber ducked your anxiety, that can be a powerful tool. Uh, but in order to do that successfully, you have to have the control and awareness to be able to step back and not go immediately back into a spiral when you're trying to work through it. Um, so what's it like now living with anxiety? Um, it's very um, confusing because as I've come up with more ways to manage it or de-escalate it, um, it's not necessarily gone away. So I feel more in control as far as when it comes up, but I don't feel confident in my control because it still comes up in unhealthy ways. Um, the most beneficial thing I've done outside of taking medicine when I need it is the meditation shadow work. It is self-control. It is the, all the spiritual stuff. And that's just my path. So me doing ceremonial magic has benefited me a lot of ways in controlling my thoughts and my emotions just through raw meditation. And that's not for everybody. That doesn't work for everybody. In fact, if you're dealing with something that is not just a symptom of another mental uh, disorder, but you're like actually dealing with anxiety disorder, you're going to be too anxious to even begin focusing on meditation. I'm, I'm willing to bet. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. I recommend it. But um, depending on how severe your your uh, anxiety is, that's, that's likely not a good first step. It's not a good first plan of attack. Maybe try medication first, then see if you can incorporate that once you're, you've slowed down your brain enough to think. But it's it's confusing. It's very confusing because it's your brain is always fighting against you. And, and to some extent, I'm used to that with depression, but I'd be lying if I thought depression made sense either. It's all these illogical summation of brain chemistry, whether it's the anxiety feelings or the depression feelings. It just, it doesn't make sense. It's not going to make sense. And even when it does make sense, it just, it, all of it hurts. It all hurts and it hurts all the time, even when you're not in the middle of experiencing it. Um, it, it lingers. It really does. It's like a pain and a weight on your brain that even if you're not thinking about it in the moment, it's just heavy. I, I feel heavy all the time and it's very, very confusing. It's not always painful in the moment, but it is always a burden. Um, and it's very difficult for me to express that if I'm not focusing on it because if I'm not in the middle of a panic attack, I won't be thinking about the fact that my anxiety still isn't in check all the way. So I am very proud of myself and that's hard to say. Oh God, it felt icky coming out of my mouth, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep to it. I'm very proud to say that I have really lessened the severity of my anxiety in a significant way. I, I haven't even had like a really bad panic attack, at least in, in the last two weeks. I feel like I have like maybe one every week or every couple of weeks now at this point, And they're usually not that bad. They're usually just a 
set of looping thoughts where I have to sit down and, and just go through it for a bit, but it's not, it's manageable. And I would rather that than being on the floor of my shower crying and not being able to move because I've seen all sides of the fence at this point. And I don't think I'm never going to have one like that ever again. Um, I could have one like that tomorrow for all I know, but I am thankful that I have the tools that I need to keep working through it. I have new solutions, whether it's uh, working with my professional help with medications or whether it is um, more of my own personal practices, meditation and and thoughts and just self-awareness and critical thinking about these things and, and practicing those things over and over and over again to maintain that control and direction that I want in my own life, uh, whether it's any of those things, it's, I have them now where, whereas I didn't have them before. I definitely didn't have them as a teenager growing up. And I definitely didn't have them when I started facing these issues on my own. So uh, I'm thankful for those, uh, new solutions and I'm proud of myself at being able to consistently execute them. So that, that's my anxiety. It's, it's, there's not really a whole lot left to talk about it. I think it deserved its own episode, uh, on purpose because it's such a, such a universal thing it's so important to so many people but it is also not kind of like the the core of my issue so it's like it does deserve its own thing but I also don't have nearly the amount of experience with it that others have so if you're some somebody that relates to anxiety super well and there was something we didn't talk about today please reach out to uh echo.box at gmail.com or maybe it's echoes.box at gmail.com I'll get good at reading that off one of these days uh or you know uh, tag us on Instagram or send us a message on Instagram or TikTok. We're on all those platforms. You can reach out and contribute. Uh, like I said, if there's music you want to suggest, if there's a podcast guest you'd want us to have on, feel free to reach out. Uh, whether it's somebody you know, somebody famous, somebody you don't know that you think would <laughs> would be cool, um, I'll, I'll work to reach out to anybody and, and see what we can make work. But if you're somebody that struggles with anxiety, just know that panic attacks do hurt. That is normal. Panic attacks do hurt. They are hard. It is not meant to be easy. It's not meant to make sense. It's okay that you had a panic attack about something irrational. That doesn't make you irrational. <clears throat> Your anxiety is not functioning like it's supposed to. It's a valid emotion, and it's something that uh, is supposed to be a tool for us. And that's what mental health is, is just our emotions, our mental uh, well-being, our thought processes, our brain synapses and neurons and all that crap firing off in ways that do not meet their intended purpose and everybody's intended purpose on how they manage these things is different we have different thresholds for for different emotions but it's very obvious when one is controlling or, or acting out of bounds uh and it's good that we have a, a way to baseline the purpose of these emotions so that way we can we can tell we can say all right anxiety is supposed to be a tool for me to let me know when to be stressed out in an appropriate manner if it's not appropriate and it's not making sense or it's making me lose control then it's in control and I'm not, and it's my emotion, so I should be in control of that. Of course, all of that's easier said than done, but knowing and being able to distinctify the two is a huge chunk of the battle because if you can't identify that it is anxiety and you can't identify what its actual purpose should be, you can't direct it at all. All right, well, that's it for this episode. I hope you all enjoyed. I think in future episodes, we may, uh, if we don't have a guest, we're probably going to get a little bit spiritual, so if you're uh, somebody who's into the occult or esotericism or theology or, uh, I mean, just flat out ceremonial magic or, or thelema, whatever, any of those kind of things. We're not going to talk about all of that in one big uh, 
uh, culty like podcast or anything like that. It's not going to be anything like that. But the, these are topics that to me relate to philosophy. And we've ta talked a lot about mental health so far on this podcast. But another focus of this podcast is spirituality and philosophy. So I'm going to experiment around with those topics. And of course, we'll be back to the mental health stuff as we go. In fact, we'll incorporate it as we go because it doesn't leave me every day. So it's not going to leave the podcast every day. So yeah, uh, I hope you all enjoyed and have a great one. Yeah, yeah.